Hello, I'm Adam and welcome to Tales from the Potting Bench, a gardening podcast where you'll hear tales and stories from the most interesting and different people from the world of both indoor and outdoor gardening. This season is sponsored by the wonderful people at PlantGrow, producers of award-winning organic fertilisers made with zero chemicals. Great for your garden and even greater for the planet. And don't forget, if you use the code POTTINGBENCH on plantgrow.co.uk, you'll receive 10% off your order. Before we get into this week's episode, I'd like to ask, if you listen to this podcast and enjoy it, then please consider rating and leaving a review on your podcast platform of choice. It's easy to do, takes a few minutes of your time, but it helps this podcast get into the ears of more like-minded planty friends. Now, this episode features a conversation with senior content creator at Gardener's World magazine, Miranda Yanatka. Miranda's career started at Kew for a number of years before moving across to Gardener's World, but she wasn't always on a path to a life in horticulture. For anyone that is not familiar with you right now, who are you and what do you do? Hi, Adam. I'm Miranda Yanatka and I'm senior content creator at BBC Gardeners World magazine and author of A Flower a Day, which is my first book, which is very, very exciting. And that's what I do. I'm a botanical horticulturalist. So I trained and worked at Kew Gardens. Before that, I was community gardening and I was a primary school teacher. So that's um, that's Miranda Yanatka in a nutshell for you. I didn't know you were a teacher. That's I've not, that's something new that I've that I've learned. How did you how did you go from teaching to to horticulture then? Gosh, it's a, it's a long story short, and it involves um, losing my father, which which a lot of us have that sort of situation. So I was looking after him while he was terminally ill, and when he passed away, I thought, right, I'm going to take a year to do something, and I had three ideas in my head. I thought I'm going to travel. I'm going to do an art foundation or I am going to study horticulture and I was already doing community gardening I was doing stuff at the school I worked at and that seemed quite sensible because I thought that I can then come back and do rather than just step back into my life that might have a good impact and I started it and I hadn't really known about the opportunities in horticulture until I went on this journey mm-hmm. um, which started with a BTEC level three at Capel Manor so I'm about 25 26 at this point and then found out about the um, the one year at Q, and then found out about the diploma at Q, and then found out about being a staff member at Q, and never looked back. So I hadn't intended to do horticulture for more than a year. It's quite scary when you have a yeah. typical typical job. Yeah. Um, but I was sort of young enough that it wasn't like a huge career change. I was still kind of finding my way. Yeah. And the garden was the one place that I felt myself and felt happy in what was quite a dark time. So it was it was wonderful for me. Was it that so was it just the, the fact that you'd I suppose kind of turned to turn to the garden as opposed to falling out of love with teaching or was that was that that as well? No, it was it was absolutely that and I love teaching and it's interesting because my my day job at the magazine still feels like teaching just you know mm. a few hundred thousand people you know we 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 want to help people at all different levels of gardening some of our readers are experts and some of them brand new beginners so it's really exciting when you're writing or commissioning that you know that you're helping people learn more about sustainable gardening so it, it's it's weird I've come in a bit of a weird circle where we're sharing exactly. information again just to a yeah. bigger class <laughs> so you went so you went to Q then so that so how long were you at Q for five years in total but you only planned on being there a year <laughs> no, yeah no I didn't plan on going to Q I was just going to oh. go to Q for a year and then 
I didn't know you could get paid and trained. Does that make sense? So while I was at Capel Manor, I was nannying and gardening, gardening in the evenings and weekends, doing every kind of job I could to help pay for my rent and everything else while I was training. But the, um, I'm trying to remember, it was called a traineeship at the time. They've all, the terms change, but they're yeah. variously the same thing. But at Q, you get paid while you're training. Not a lot, but when you're used to not earning anything, <laughs> it mm-hmm. seems like a bit of a miracle that you can just focus on doing what you want to do and get paid for it. So I was really excited by that. Left East London, moved to West London, which seemed like moving to the middle of nowhere. No longer was I going to glass in my bike tires. <laughs> and just fell in love with the place and the people. You've got so many, especially sort of younger people, you know, in their 20s, there's loads of them. And you're running around, you're broke, but you all love plants and the pub and playing rounders so you know pretty <laughs> idyllic like yeah that sounds great so what did you so what was the diploma that you did at Q what was the what was that qualification that you came out with so it's called the Q diploma that, that, that is that is what it is if you wanted to do an MA in oh I don't know biology or something there are universities that will recognize that as its own degree does that make mm-hmm. sense so it, it, it's yeah. sort of it's a self-qualified or certified subject and you do um course rather you do three months of each year in lecture block which is wonderful you are just studying and then the rest of the year you've got projects and essays and latin plant name tests every two weeks but you're moving around every three months into different parts of the garden so over the three years you will have done covered a wide range of things as well as gone abroad you get the opportunity to apply for travel scholarships so i went to the caribbean because why not that is the fantastic thing about horticulture is there's almost always an excuse to try and go somewhere where there's plants yeah no absolutely and the thing is though I mean we do you do so many field trips on the key diploma and you know Wales was fascinating Spain was fascinating you know you're going to find amazing plants anywhere and I mean I was I was fortunate because I'd been helping out with the department in the herbarium that was working with the British overseas territories so it kind of came together and over there, you know, you're racing around saving plants before things are getting knocked down to turn to hotels. You, you are doing live action conservation work. So it, that was really exciting and rewarding. Yeah, I bet. So then how did you go from Q to Gardener's World magazine? I mean, that's not a that's not a well, it's not an obvious move. It's a semi it's in the same category, isn't it? But how did that happen? It's weird because I know a lot of gardeners that would not want to put pen to paper, you know, mm. and there's no reason you, you would. Um, So as a teacher, I'd been marking and doing all that kind kind of thing so I obviously I felt quite comfortable um with with the written word and in so the office is in Hammersmith Q isn't too far from Hammersmith and they were really lovely at taking me in like in the holidays between you know between courses at Q and I'd earn some money at Gardeners World magazine mostly on the website doing plant profiles so I started doing bits like that and I did what I don't think exists anymore but it's like the British journalism agriculture and horticulture they did a sort of a an award with John Deere so for two right. weeks you'd go up and do that and I got a placement at Gardeners World magazine so that's kind of how that little leap happened but I just kept going back <laughs> just Not kept being like yeah. <laughs> this thing I think and people do ask me like oh you know how did you get your job and I sort of feel like it was about 10 years in the making you know these things aren't easy they, they often take a lot of graft that people don't necessarily even remember sometimes you know but I wrote a lot of plant profiles yeah I think you're right though that I think that that's kind of similar to a lot of the roots into horticulture I think just from the conversations that I have is that they yes it's it's kind of lengthy and it's not I, I I suppose it's the same way with a lot of other industries where there are a lot of people wanting to do it and not that many opportunities it's kind of your like you say you kind of built that up over 10 years and then you've almost you just built that slowly haven't you you know I know and they often like most of the people in the office don't believe me when I'm saying yeah I think I've been kind of involved for about 10 years like nah (laughs) 
but if I look back, it's been it's certainly been a very long time. And you're right. And and in garden media, there aren't many jobs. Um, it's really small, and I think teams are getting smaller um, and covering more things. But it's really exciting time to self-publish. So it's kind of it's a weird one. I think if you're doing what you want to do, and there's so many ways to self-publish now, it's quite exciting. You almost could do whatever you wanted without um, traditional media now. Yeah, no, that's very that's very true. So, what is your what is your job title at Gardeners World? What do you do now? Senior content creator. So, so what does I... that what does that mean? <laughs> it's got a wonderful multi-platform edge to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I do a lot of different things. So, we have a podcast, which is really exciting, and I recommend everyone have a little dip into that. We cover healthy living to um, growing sustainably to even just growing house plants and growing veg. It's it's fantastic. So do have a listen to that it's there's it's free and it's brilliant content so i do that i write stuff for the magazine and i do stuff for the web stuff for social so yeah i create content which kind of means anything and then i'm live on the stage in birmingham for the nec you know so <laughs> Oh God. Are you are you going to be there this year? I think so. I think so. And we're doing more and more shows in different places as well now. I'm trying to remember the last one was in Audley End, but I was on mat leave at the time. Um, so oh. my partner was on stage, which was a really weird ch- turn of events. Yeah. I him seeing me, but he was up as an English Heritage Head Gardener doing a bit of a talk. But yeah, so I, yeah, hopefully I'll be there this year. I love it. It's really nice. It's like people tell us that being at Gardeners World Live is being in the TV show or, you know, mm-hmm. sort of stepping into the magic. So it, it's very exciting. I think there's something about, yes, you know, Chelsea's got its charm and, and all of that kind of stuff, but there is something about Gardeners World Live, which is clearly intentional, I would imagine, is that, yes, it feels like you're kind of part of the programme in a way, but it feels as though it's one of those shows that isn't a show. It, it's something that is more for the people. Do you know what I mean? That sounds very righteous, but do you, it sounds, it feels as though it's more for kind of the the everyday gardener or every kind of gardener rather than a, uh, it being kind of this this grand stage of Chelsea. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? I'm not going to knock Chelsea. I love Chelsea. No, no, I'm not. As I love it as well. Do, as yeah. we all do. Yeah. But that's certainly the ambition of Gardeners World Live, that there yeah. are sort of, you know, there's borders and there's gardens and small spaces and there's a lot geared towards um, stuff that you go home with ideas that you can use straight away. So That's it. That's the difference. I think that's kind of what you're su- summing up, that, that they both, oh, Chelsea's like the catwalk. It's like sort of fashion yeah. week, Paris, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah you know these things trickle down and everything else but it's very kind of ready-made that you can walk in and buy there's so many nurseries there selling plants that you can go home with ideas and plants and have had a wonderful time so everyone is walking around smiling it's it's really nice I love it absolutely love it it was the first time I went last year and which is mad because I live in Birmingham so it doesn't make any sense why I've not been before <laughs> but it is fantastic so I think but like you say there are there are others now are there two others well there's a spring in the autumn at the moment but yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more and more coming through they just seem so popular um the one in hampshire which will be again in, in autumn they they're popping up all the time and and they they do so well so it's it's lovely i think it's absolutely brilliant i think it's it's a great way of kind of extending the the gardener's world kind of brand and, and kind of getting more people involved which i think is just such a fantastic thing to do that's the end of the day the message isn't it, it, it it's helping people access gardening exactly you're totally right and another way that you're accessing you, you're helping people access gardening rather a tenuous little link there is <laughs> with your fantastic book so not only do you write and create content for gardeners world you have also created 
a fantastic book. I'm aware that I'm holding this up, uh, which is not fantastic for an, uh, an audio <laughs> podcast, but um, I feel like it's just, it is such a gorgeous book. And I, I mean this so much. It's embossed and it's so nice on the front. It's weighty. It's a really proper, lovely kind of gardening, gifty. Do you know what I mean? I'm just rambling with words. No, absolutely. No, so but bad. I was thinking it's a good value gift. You know, it, it's not a sort of a slim volume. It's something like 368 pages or something. You know, you get a lot of bang for your buck with it. Yeah. Um, and it's fully illustrated. So you've got 366 images in and it's lovely. You know, it does. You're right. It feels like it's almost like a textbook, but it's not that tall no it's just a nice no. chunky coffee really table nice. by your bed dip in when you wake up in the morning or you go to bed at night so you dream sleeping you know thinking about plants <laughs> rather than nightmares that's exactly <laughs> exactly so for anyone that hasn't seen it it's called flower a day um obviously the title kind of gives away slightly the idea of the book but for anyone that hasn't seen it what what is what is it about so the premise is that for each day you're reading about a plant that somewhere in the world is in flower. So I didn't want to be terribly dull and make it just about the UK. There's so many plants that I wanted to write about. So my way around that was the country most heavily referenced in the text. So when you close your eyes and you imagine you are, that's where it's going to be in bloom. So it'll either be here or it'll be the country of origin. Mm. So it's a bit of um, armchair travelling. But um, each day you'll have a plant that you know is is in flower and you get the bit of the botany, a bit of the history, a bit of the folklore. So when you see them in your garden or in the florists or in the botanic garden, you go, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's I genuinely think it's brilliant. And when it popped through my letterbox and I opened it and I thought this is almost like a I don't know it's like a, it's a little nugget of joy kind of every day do you know what I mean and and I really want to just go through it and read it almost like a narrative kind of novel but I'm not I'm not I'm forcing myself to try and only look at, at the day's flower or the day's plant that said I have had a sneaky little look at the index I don't know why I've given myself that treat to just look at the index but I really I was really quite surprised I was scrolling through I was like Okay, I was like Audrey too uh, from Little Shop of Horrors, and, and then I suddenly I was looking through the rest of the index. I was like, "Oh, okay, there are some real curveballs in here." Just you found the Easter egg, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> what a great idea! I done I done three hundred and sixty five, and they and the publishers said, "Oh, it'd be nice to do three hundred and sixty six for you know for the year." There's a leap year, you know. Yeah. I was thinking, hmm, yeah, I was sort of thinking, well, what about April the first? So I don't know if you clocked that. I hadn't, but how ah. brilliant is that? How so, brilliant. Uh, so that would be the you know the shop of horrors, little shop oh, of horrors. Yeah. I'm looking at that now. How is brilliant! Oh, I had not even noticed that. <laughs> that is absolute genius. <laughs> Absolutely. You can't judge my credentials on that, but that's yeah. a little bit of fun for the yeah. eight for the first. And also, it's not about the flower, is it? It's about the plant. So. No, exactly. <laughs> but how, how did you? So, trying to force yourself down to three three hundred and sixty five. Or to try and find 365, yeah. was that a challenge or was that or was that you trying to whittle it down to 365? It wasn't as hard as I thought. And and the other thing is, and, you know, to be honest, that nature doesn't give a damn about a calendar. You know, there will be some that you think, actually, that's not that month this year. You know, so, so please don't use it as a kind of a grid, as a reference of the 31st of January. Is this right? You know, 
it'll be around that it'll be around that time but it helps you look at one that's in that time period on that day um I thought it'd be really hard and you start and you can firstly think about five plants and then you start thinking a bit more and then they just come rolling out and one plant will make you think of another and and yeah so so maybe three six six was the right number actually it was yeah, <laughs> I don't think there were many I had to cut out in the end you know I just think it I think it's absolutely brilliant and from just from the 11 so we're recording this on the 11th of January just from the 11th that I've allowed myself to indulge in I feel like I've already learned so much <laughs> and I just I think the brilliant thing about it is that it's not just a collection of 365 plants I mean it is it is that in essence but what it is more than that is it's the meanings it's the history it's the kind of the folklore of some plants I think that that must have been so fascinating to research oh absolutely and this is the thing it's not a practical gardening book you know it is a curation of Mm. information you know I'm not inventing these histories you know it's it's all out there and it's important to acknowledge all the researchers and you know the cultures that that all of this information comes from Mm. um but it was absolutely wonderful some of it I I knew as I as I say I've written a lot of plant profiles either for studies or work um and the library at Kew is just wonderful. You know, it's, you, you could just sit in it all day. I spent a lot of time doing that. And um, and the stories, I don't know, for, for me, flowers and plants are, are nature's art. And when we can understand what they mean for other people as well as what they mean for us, um, it just makes them all that bit more magical and enjoyable, I think. Totally. I think it's brilliant. And I'm not just saying this. I highly recommend it. And I think it really stands out on a bookshelf as well. So mm-hmm. I, I've seen it in bookshelves and I just in bookshops. And I just think it's I think it's gorgeous. It's one of those books genuinely that you'll want to buy for yourself and you'll want to buy for someone else. I think if you know anyone that's mildly into plants, it's absolutely brilliant. And I think the fantastic thing is it's not just roses and dahlias and what it's it's such a, a wide breadth of plants. I think it's great. Thank you. And and that's what I'm hearing a lot of people saying and they buy a packet of seeds and slip it in maybe on someone's birthday as a bookmark and you've got a ready-made gift then, you know, and it just kind of makes it all a bit more special, which is why we love gardening. We know it's special. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So are you are you doing any signings for this? Can we expect to see you anyway if anyone wants to bring their copy along to have a little chat and a sign? Absolutely. So on the 19th of March, which is Mother's Day, which is a great reason to bring your mum, I will be at the Burford Garden Centre, which is in the Cotswolds sort of near Oxford, mm. um, which is beautiful. I went for the first time a couple of weeks ago and, and it's, it is an emporium. You know, yeah, the really bookshop, cool. the bookshop specifically is fantastic as well, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. They call it the reading room, and you'll understand mm. when you get they sell art and maps and they've got little antiques around, and it's and it's all like gardening and cookery books. It's really lovely. So right. I will be there uh between 12 and 2, and I will be doing book signings. So come along, have a nosy all the plants, grab lovely. some lunch. The restaurant's nice, and um and come and say hello to me. It'd, it'd be really nice. Bring your mum, bring your <laughs> one. What a treat for mothers that I'm going to bring my wife and I bring my daughters as well, if we can get there. <laughs> Lovely. Well, thank you so much. I've got a couple of other questions, though, that I ask every guest at the end of the podcast, um, if you don't mind indulging me in, in those for a moment. The first one is, if you were stuck on a desert island with only one other gardener, so they could be famous or not famous, they could be someone that we know or someone that we don't know, who would that be and why? So it should be my partner, 
who is a head gardener that I'm gonna I'm gonna drop him off the side of the boat and get a second look thicker oh okay oh great <laughs> she is just such an incredible person uh, she's got a wonderful past you know she's a musician mm. and I think she'd help you survive she would know yeah. what you eat wouldn't she so I've got all the yeah. time in the world for herbs and they also have a lot of meaning and a lot of use so yeah, yeah leave me with Jekka and we'll have a good oh, time good. well you're not going to go hungry are you? you're going to be foraging like nobody's business <laughs> okay so slipping away from gardening for a moment if you could never garden again I know that's a horrible question and a horrible thought I'm sorry to uh, pose that to you but what would you spend your time doing instead I know and it sounds it's gonna sound like a cop-out answer but I think this is important visit gardens and I say that because I think there's so many people that say they like gardening but they don't have the time or they don't have a garden I get so much pleasure seeing other gardens so if I couldn't garden I would just do more of that I think seeing what other people are doing you know it's like visiting an art gallery or something it's seeing the work elsewhere seeing the flowers <laughs> other people might have more time or more space than you so that's what I would do I'd spend all my time enjoying someone else's hard work <laughs> yeah vicariously gardening through somebody else Absolutely. yeah yeah that's a that's a very clever answer I like that one um and the last one if you had to flee your garden right now which one thing or plant would you take with you and why this is where I redeem myself with my partner so we have a tree in the front garden which is a davidia do you know the handkerchief tree yeah yeah it's in the book just gonna do that yeah <laughs> just do that yeah i'm yeah. doing that with my hand just sort of being a floaty thing and um i grafted it so, so you oh. graft handkerchief trees a bit like people graft wisteria because you can take a more mature tree hmm. put it onto young rootstock and from a small tree you're, you've got flowers already so that's why people would do it and that was what he taught me to do at Kew. Because he mm. was my manager. Oh, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the first tree I grafted. And and oh. he he's a very talented grafting, propagating person. And he wouldn't let me, we were not together at this point, I hasten to add. Uh, <laughs> he wouldn't let me touch any of the plants till I could prove I was ready. And it's a beautiful art. The art of grafting woody plants is absolutely beautiful. And when I finally was allowed to touch plant material, that was the first one I did and it took. And so it now, all these years later, grows in our front garden. Miranda's book, A Flower a Day, is out now from Batsford Books and is available online and in all good bookshops. You can find Miranda on Instagram at miranda.yanatka or on Twitter at miranda underscore j. Join me again next week where I'll be in conversation with another fantastic planty guest. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram at viewfromthepottingbench to see what I'm up to in my garden or visit viewfromthepottingbench.com to read my blog and find out about any events that I've got coming up this year.